morning. It is Wednesday, June the 3rd, and this is Community Pulse, your local report on the coronavirus pandemic in mid-Missouri. You can catch Community Pulse Monday through Thursday at 9 a.m. on KOPN, and all episodes can be found online at kopn.org and on our Facebook page. Before we begin today, I do want to remind all of our listeners that today is KOPN's one-day pledge drive. For over 48 years, we have relied on the support of our listeners to keep KOPN going. Listener-supported, independent community radio is a different beast from your average commercial radio station. This is a two-way street, and we thrive because of the interaction and relationship with our community. It is our diverse community that creates these programs, and we are committed to continue providing the important local and national news that you tune in for each and every day. Programs like Democracy Now!, Fresh Air, and of course, Community Pulse. Today we have a special one-day drive challenge for each donation of any size we receive today. A group of supporters will be kicking in an additional $60. That's an extra $60 per donation. We have already received 10 donations this this morning, and we invite you to join them by making your donation today. You can donate online at kopn.org or by calling 573-874-5676. Today on Community Pulse, we welcome host Jenny Chadwick, public health advocate, and her guest, Mike Sidlowski, on the show. Mike is the Columbia Public Schools K-12 science coordinator who has been graphing the virus for several months. He'll tell us what he's been seeing in the trends and in the community more broadly. Good morning, Mike and Jenny. Good morning. Good morning, Tim. Thank you so much for um, having us, KOPN listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Community Pulse. So looking at the numbers, I'm going to start um, locally and then go more broadly because I know that the local numbers are really the ones that we in our community are keeping an eye on. So reported as of June the 5th, so last night at 5 p.m. by the Boone County Health Department, we had 153 cases in Boone County. That number has jumped up by 50 in over the last two weeks. So our case number is growing significantly. And right now we have 28 active known cases in Boone County with adding two new cases since yesterday. And those two new cases are one in the 15 to 24 year old range and one in the 24 to 44 year old range. So a young um, demographic of individuals that are um, identified with new cases. So far, we've only had nine cases of individuals over the age of 65 in Boone County of those 153 cases. So um, we have currently 16 hospitalized in Boone County hospitals, um, with 14 of those in ICU and six on ventilators. Um, When we look at who this virus is, um, is impacting the most, just in Boone County, We've seen that 67% of our cases, of those 153 cases, have been um, individuals who are white. Um, And we have a population of about 81% white. And 27% of our cases have been from African Americans. And our Boone County population is only 8.8% African American. So we know that this virus is definitely impacting our communities of color. And in Missouri, We had, based on Matthew Holloway's data, 320 new cases yesterday, bringing our total to 14,043. And that the the previous state reported high in one day was 318, and that was on May the 1st. 
And so, again, we had 320 new cases reported in Missouri with 10 new deaths, so bringing our death toll to 799. Um, Across the United States, we've had 1.8 million um, individuals identified COVID positive and 106,000 deaths. Globally, we are now at 6.4 million with 380,000 deaths. So, Mike, I've been watching your graphs since... um, Since early on, I don't know exactly when you started, but anybody who was producing local material, I definitely became interested in identifying like what your interest was and when you first started tracking the virus and what you were tracking. So can you share a little bit about that with us? Sure. And I I have to go back. I can't remember the exact date I started, but it was right about when the schools closed. So I want to say Mm -hmm. around March, well, it was about a week before, so probably about March 10, March 12, somewhere in there. Uh, And I started very small because, and this was not my idea, but somebody that I read said, you know, it's interesting when you look at Italy, in which at the time, Italy's numbers were jumping significantly. And they Mm -hmm. said, when you look at Italy, but, you know, I should also say Italy was several weeks or a month ahead of us. And so when you look at Italy and then look at the United States, our numbers, if you project us a month behind or ahead, our numbers were matching. And so I did that for a while, and it, it was really matching uh, really well. And then the numbers just became uh, crazy large. And so that, that analysis wasn't practical anymore, and people kept asking for more. Uh, and the reason I really did this is, uh, you know, as, as a science coordinator for Columbia Public Schools, one of our big standards that I think is the most relevant standard is we need to produce students that can analyze and read data and make informed decisions because of it. And then on a personal note, I've just noticed that in not just our community, but our state, our country, maybe the world, uh, there's a lack of that ability. And so we more than ever, you know, we teach a lot of a lot of things in the science department. But analyzing data is what's going to help them make informed votes and decisions and live their life. And this really showed uh, the reaction to some of the graphs, which is mostly positive, but definitely not all. Uh, but in just listening to how people uh, react and refute some of the data they see led me to believe, boy, we really need to teach this more. So I know everything that I grasp, people can get elsewhere. My hope is that by just doing this, they don't have to do it all. It's become pretty fast for me now. At first, it took forever, but I got a routine <laughs> and trying to put it uh in a place where they can just get a quick glance if they want. If they don't want it, they can skip it. Uh, But really, I'm hoping we're saving all these graphs. And so I'm hoping in the years, we don't want to dwell on negative now in schools, but in a few years, I keep telling teachers and students, when our current students have kids, these kids will be reading about today in their history books. And it's going to be nice to have these graphs that we can analyze real data instead of, uh, you know, just mocked up data or something like, you know, like that. For sure. And I've just been so impressed with watching it. So can you, I I know that you posted a graph on June the 1st that was more of our weekly um, percentage change. Maybe can you tell our listeners what was on that graph and what you see in it? Sure. And and the reason I did that, and I have to actually give credit to a few followers of the graphs uh, uh, from St. Louis, some acquaintances. Um, What we were seeing is the data, and it's getting worse. And what I mean by data getting worse is it's really data is very sporadic. Example, it appears that a few people die or get the virus on me. And, and you can actually go look 
We'll be sure to post links uh, to your Twitter and your, your Facebook okay. page so people can find this easily uh, when they search for Community Pulse on our website. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much, KOPN. And, and Mike, thanks so much for coming on and talking to us. Anything that you would like the community last thoughts to, to, to know and think about as, as you continue to graph this and provide you know, a, a rich history of what's happening in um, the United States and in Missouri? Yeah, thank you for having me on. I would say, to me, I am most interested in the next two weeks. Um, and, and it could go either way, and I don't think anybody really knows. If 
if in two weeks from now, after and, and I say two weeks because that'd be about three-ish, three and a half weeks after Memorial Day and then the protests, if if we see the numbers not spike, that's also a clue that the summer weather might be uh, might be helping to balance it out, and maybe we can go out a little more. Or if they spike, then that's going to be proof too that we're not ready to go. So uh, the data will tell us, and I think two weeks is going to be the key. I think we are all wondering what is going to happen with um, COVID-19 and the coronavirus as the weather does get nicer and we get out more and we hope that the virus has less transmission in the outdoor space and the the good weather. So thank you so much again, Mike, for coming on. Um, KOPN listeners, I want to remind you that um, this is today is our one-day pledge drive. Um, So as many of you know, I'm Ginny Chadwick. Um, local community advocate for public health. Um, and I want to encourage people to, to either go online to kopn.org or call 573-874-5676 to make a, a donation. Um, and, you know, over the years, I've been on KOPN a number of times to talk about different issues Um, that have been impacting our community from a political perspective. I have appreciated so much the opportunity um, for you guys to hear my voice, but I know it's not my, just my voice that we get to hear. We get to hear our local community and we get to hear, we get to make sure that it gets to everyone across our community. And, you know, over the years I've heard so many people from our community get to have an opportunity to be a voice on the show. And so it, KOPN obviously has a unique and invaluable service that it's providing to Mid-Missouri. And I ask that you consider making a pledge, um, again, by going to kopn.org or calling 573-874-5676. Thank you so much for that, Jenny, and you are so correct. That's what community radio is all about. Um, We're here to be a platform for the community voices that don't have an outlet on other stations. And, you know, that's what we're about. And if you can get behind that, we would encourage you to support us today by calling 573-874-5676 or donating online at kopn.org. I do want to take this opportunity Uh, to thank our guest today. That was Mike Sidlowski, who we just had on. He was the Columbia Public Schools K-12 Science Coordinator, who has been graphing the virus for several months. Uh, We will be sharing links to his work and his graphs on our Facebook page and on our website. Uh, Jenny, did you want to get into talking a little bit about masks and mask policies today? I did, especially if we have time. Um, Of course. Last week, we had So for Safety on, and I just wanted to point out that, you know, most of the places, most of the states across the country have some form of mask requirement. And just to give us a little bit of a flavor of what we see in Missouri versus what we see across different states. So Missouri is a state that are, we have a recommendation for mask wearing. So it says people should wear cloth mask covering in public. Um, where social distance measures are difficult to maintain. And that's the the simple recommendation that we make. But if we look at states like 
Michigan or Minnesota or Massachusetts, their mask requirements are much more stringent than ours. So, for instance, in Massachusetts, residents over the age of two must wear face coverings in public settings, including essential businesses and public transportation. Requirement applies to both customers and employees of essential businesses. If customers refuse to wear a face covering, uh, for non-medical reasons, the business may decline entry. Um, you know, that's that's just one state's mask requirement. Um, Michigan, similar. All businesses and operators who perform services in person must, at a minimum, provide a non-medical grade cover for workers. Um, so when we look at what's going on across the country, um, and, and when we hear Mike tell us, you know, our data and our numbers are higher in Missouri, um, you know, there's science now showing that wearing masks are important, and we are a state that doesn't require it. And then if you look at what we're doing in Boone County and Columbia, Missouri, you know, our requirements are only um, that personal care services are required to wear cloth masks um, while they're providing the services um, where physical distance isn't possible. Our, our order just recommends that wearing cloth masks, so it's specifically wearing cloth face coverings is recommended in public settings where social distance is difficult to maintain. And so I want us um, as a community to be aware that 39 states have some form of requirement of mask covering at either a state or local level. We are a state that doesn't have a requirement at a state level, and we have very minimal requirement at a local level. Um, I will say that Boone County just came out with some guidance yesterday for protesting, and in that guidance, they said that they would um, encourage avoiding close contact of, of less than six feet and wear a mask when demonstrating when social distance is difficult to maintain, um, to um, be aware that if you're out protesting that you may need to quarantine for 14 days after if there is an outbreak, as contact tracing will be difficult in large crowds. Um, they're encouraging using hand sanitizer of 60% alcohol, avoid touching your face, and staying at home if you're sick, right? Those things that we've heard so many times I know that when I've seen um, images of, of protesting, both nationally at the state and at our community local level, I am um, encouraged by the number of individuals who are wearing face coverings. Um, and I would just continue, even though it's unfortunately just a recommendation in Boone County um, and in the state of Missouri, I would, I, I would continue to urge us to consider that mask wearing. I would also encourage you to contact your local elected officials. Um, share with them the information that is out there on mask covering and consider that for um, what, what we can do in Columbia, Missouri and in Boone County and in the in Missouri listening area. So, um, yeah, that was one thing I just, I, we didn't get a chance to talk about the politics much of mask wearing. So I, I wanted our listeners to be aware of where we are in our mid-Missouri listening area. Well, thank you so much for filling us in on that and those important reminders. You know, as people take to the streets, uh, it's important that they remain vigilant in many ways. And of course, this virus is not going anywhere anytime soon. So we need to wear our masks. And, and take all the necessary precautions. And again, you know, we are in our one-day pledge drive, so um, to hear the community voice, 
is is such an important opportunity, especially now. I know I often wonder, like, what can I know is happening in my local community, and KOPN is a place we can turn to. So, again, you can make that online donation at kopn.org or by calling 573-874-5676. That's right. And I do want to remind our listeners again that we have a special drive challenge going on today. So for each donation that we receive, an additional $60 will be kicked in uh, by some generous donors um, who are going to make this drive go extra far. We normally just do a one week, uh, just a one week drive. We've, we've shortened it to one day this time uh, because of the circumstances and uh, we still need every bit of support. So we thank you so much and thank you jenny for joining us today on community pulse your contributions are always uh, welcome and we really appreciate you thank you so much for having me and thank you to the kopn listeners and those who donate to the station mm-hmm. and joining me in the studio now is mallory daly our operations assistant good morning mallory good morning tim it's good to be here how are you doing great Uh, Thank you so much for joining us here. We are in the midst of our one-day drive. Uh, Did you want to tell us a little bit about some of the special programming happening today? Sure. So um, coming up at 5 p.m., we are going to have a conversation with a KOPN volunteer from the 80s, Jim Ellinger, who worked on a show called Zebra Sunrise that was... um, really made for the prisoner population in Missouri. And we're going to air some segments from a a special episode that they did back in 1981 called The Escape Tape when two inmates um, from Missouri State Penitentiary uh, escaped (laughs) and they called in to KOPN to talk to the the producers and programmers of Zebra Sunrise and... um, they did call for some widespread reforms and investigations and just talked about the conditions in the prison. Um, and so we're going to air those those clips and also follow that up with a conversation with Jim Ellinger, this, this producer from back in the 80s at KOPN. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking with Jim. Uh, he's, he's got a very interesting career since he left KOPN. He's been involved in community radio since mm-hmm. then. Uh, to this very day, and, and we look forward to hearing from him. Uh, this is uh, this escape tape is a classic piece of KOPN history, and uh, we're excited to share it with our listeners today. Um, I do want to thank everyone for joining us here on Community Pulse. This is a special project that we started for you, our community, to bring you a news on the coronavirus outbreak from a local perspective. Uh, it's just a small team of us here, including myself, Mallory, Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, Jenny Chadwick and Peter Weiss and uh, we're going to hear from uh, in a minute from Dr. Alleman. Uh, mm-hmm. Mal had a chance to speak with her the other day mm-hmm. and um, Dr. Alleman has a special message for us so we're going to play that and then we're going to get back into an abridged version of background briefing. Um, thank you so much uh, for joining me here today Mal. Of course. And thank you our listeners for tuning in and for donating to support your community radio station. We couldn't do it without you. And uh, here is Mal's interview with Dr. Alleman. Could you tell me a little bit about the early days of Community Pulse, which seems so long ago, like (laughs) mid-March? What made you start this uh, new program with KOPN? Well, Mallory, thanks for asking. And we sure have lived a lifetime in a short period of time, haven't we? Um, 
so I was feeling this huge frustration that there was a place of silence of health, people with medical and health knowledge who were taking this very seriously, believing we needed to act and speaking honestly to the um, uh, the unknowns and the evolving data and that we weren't really sure exactly what was the right thing to do, but we knew some things that were very likely to help. And many people, one of the, I remember one of my early frustrations was that the health, the leaders were saying that we didn't have community spread, so we didn't need to change policies when we weren't testing for community spread. And there were so many people who were sick and trying to figure out how to get testing, and there wasn't testing available. And then there was a whole lot of concern about what was the right thing to do. Back then, it was like, oh, don't wear masks and wait. How come it's good for health professionals to wear masks? And the truth is that there's this conflict between health message, public health messages need to be simple and clear, and we were making them based on unclear data that was still emerging. And I knew that KOPN listeners were um, capable of hearing the more nuanced message and that that would help them. So I was ranting with a few of my friends who were, would let me just um, unload uh, on them, and we would rant together about how we need to speak more honestly. And out of those conversations came a question of, well, what? how could KOPN and my involvement in KOPN be helpful? And so then I pitched it to Tim. He stepped right up to the plate and went to great effort to promote it, to create graphics, to make sure that it was present on social media and to be there every day at nine o'clock when no other show on KOPN was happening live at the time. Mm-hmm. And we and just marked the 50th episode, I think. Today we're on episode 53 or 54, something like that. So that's a lot of mornings <laughs> to get out of bed when there's a pandemic mornings. and talk about things that are going on locally, nationally in the world. Yes, and it has been um, a task to do and work to do. But the truth is that having this outlet has been so helpful to me. And it has been so... Um, heartwarming to receive the questions from the community, to know that I was in dialogue with the people I care so deeply about, my own community, the people who live here. And I am so glad that uh, in the 1980s, when I was looking for a place to move to, to become a new physician, that I chose a place with a, a community that had two community radio stations. It was one of the selling points for me for Columbia. And I had no idea at the time that I'd be so involved in, in KOPN, but I can't imagine that I would have had as rewarding a, a practice without it. And one of the key foundational values of KOPN is accessibility and getting important information and resources out to the community. Of course, we also love to provide fun programming, music, all of these things to kind of help us get through the days uh, a little bit lighter with a smile and a hop in our step. Um, 
But but really, this accessibility piece is so important to us. And one thing that I think radio can do and Community Pulse on KOPN can do is get this information out to people who might not have Internet access, who um, might not be able to read through these these reports, Dr. Alleman, that you reference and translate to the broader public. Um, Yeah, being able to put things in context and in the larger way and then. You know, so like reading the research, hearing recommendations by the World Health Organization and the Centers for Disease Control from Anthony Fauci and and from other public leaders, and also then hearing what our local leaders like Stephanie Browning, our our county uh, director of public health, and um, our uh, city officials and uh, school uh, officials, um, and then to be able to you know because I knew about where we could finally figured out where we could get testing done in mid-March um, and was able to offer that to the wider community to be able to have a place like KOPN where I could let people know that this was available to them so that they could get uh, testing done if they had symptoms uh, uh, that would be of no cost to them. And that has since expanded. Some people without symptoms are now included in our a list of people who can be tested. And if people, again, if people would like to know any of that, they can call my office and we can um, have a conversation with them. Those conversations are brief, uh, but they are without charge. And then um, uh, my service of of ordering the test and getting the results of them is also at no charge. Hmm. I can't tell you how grateful I am to uh, you and Peter and Tim for showing up every morning and making sure that there's someone there that answers my phone when I call. We really do have a nice little team now that's working on this, right? There's you and Ginny mm-hmm. and me, Peter, Tim. Um, most right. of us are, are volunteer run. Uh, Tim and I are staff members, but everyone else is 100% a volunteer for KOPN. Um, anything else you want to leave us with today? Yeah, so today on KOPN is an opportunity for me to say to my community, thank you. Thank you for giving me an outlet for information that I wanted desperately for my community to have and that in an ongoing way I still want my community to have. Thank you for asking me questions, for sending in uh, your concerns and curiosities. And thank you so much for decades of support to this community radio station. Community Pulse is a show that could not happen in any other format on any other station that I know of. The responsiveness of the staff has been um, unparalleled, and I can't express my gratitude enough. So if you are also grateful for Community Pulse, if it has been a help to you, then I hope that within your means, you can be generous with KOPN and help us keep the signal going out and the lights on and the minimal staff being paid. And you can call in or donate securely online at kopn.org. And that was Dr. Elizabeth Alleman speaking with Mallory Daly, uh, both team members of Community Pulse. Later tonight, Dr. Elizabeth Alleman will be having a live edition of Your Health Matters with her guest, Katie Molitar. They'll be talking about the Columbia Center for Urban Agriculture's food pharmacy. Following that, at 7 p.m., is Farm and Fiddle with host Margot McMillan. She will be interviewing 
Mike Calicrate, rancher and visionary for the future of sustainability and resiliency in animal agriculture. We've got a lot of great programming coming up for you today, so please stay tuned. We're going to get into an abridged version of Background Briefing here on KOPN Columbia. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, to donate, you can visit kopn.org or you can call 573-874-5676.